2: These two guys have Minnesota Sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judge on Score North and Scorenorth.com.
3: I'm looking forward to it, man. It's, it's been really, really great. The energy, the vibe, um, the culture, the the, the camaraderie is starting to come together. And you know, with us having pretty bringing pretty much everybody back from you know the 2021 season. You know, everybody's just looking, looking forward to some great outcome because we know we have all the pieces. Now we just mm-hmm. got to go out there, you know, execute um, when, when when those plays come about. You know, uh, two minutes. two. I just saw this crazy stat by the way. They said last year, if we wouldn't have gave up a touchdown before halftime, we would have
2: been fifteen and two. <laughs> How hey. is that? Hey. <laughs> Patrick Peterson on the all. That's a good good stat right there here on Reckless Speculation Thursday. Bring our friend in here from the 5 Eyewitness News sports team, the Scoop Podcast, Darren Doogie Wolfson. Although I'm afraid, gentlemen, it's not as easy as saying, well, if we just went from being this historically bad two-minute defense to giving up almost nothing in those situations, we would have won 15 games. Just clean it up. Be super easy. It is
3: very convenient. By the way, happy Reckless Speculation Thursday. Always my favorite day of the week. Was Patrick Peterson wearing a Charlotte Bobcats jersey? I know that doesn't translate to those who listen to just the audio portion of of our conversation. But for those who watch us on YouTube, like that was the old Charlotte Bobcats colors, but it looked like it said NBA across the front, not Charlotte or not Bobcats. But that was an interesting jersey that Peterson was wearing. But yeah, it felt like... That's who they were. Like, they weren't capable of making stops last right. year in the final four minutes of halves, the final two minutes. Yes, we're well aware that, historically speaking, going back multiple, you know, decades, that that this was the worst defense in the final four minutes of a half, the final two minutes of a half. But, like, that's who they were, right? They couldn't do anything about it. They knew it. They knew it midseason. They couldn't fix it. You know, that's why we're talking about, you know, somebody new in charge of of running the defense. That's why, Phil, Judd and I went back and forth on Tuesday. He asked me about some of the things I'm fascinated to see with the first practice now, what, six days away. The pads come on on Monday, August 1st. I'm most curious to see at Donatel the defense. Like, I still think the offense is going to be good. I'm curious to see if this defense is capable of of getting the stops that they need for this team to win double-digit games for them to get back to the playoffs. Heck, for them to get over five hundred for the first time since 2019.
0: I think the most interesting thing there, though, is is this. The problem with um, rankings and statistics is they don't take into account situational things. And so offensively, like we could go back and say, man, if the Vikings had just had some more stops, they would have won 15 games, which is asinine because the reality is this. If – they had been able to function beyond the scripted plays consistently, they would have blown teams out. Like, you wouldn't have had to worry. You, you would have had an offense that would have been top five, if not three. Like, if you take the scripted plays, I'll always go back to, because it's the poster child game for 2021, the Cleveland game, okay? You came out and rolled. You cruised down the field. You looked like you were going to kick Cleveland's ass you got through the scripted plays, and we're like, I guess we're th- there's not much more here. I mean, the, the second guy that statistically w- we could talk about, and it's not Cousins, is Jefferson. If you just look at Jefferson's first two years, the stats are off the charts. He's he's a record-setting young wide receiver. If you watch the games, though, you saw you see why there's the capability for Justin Jefferson this season to be used much more, much smarter. So, like, that's the problem with, the one problem with statistics and ifs and buts, because this offense, if you could have even harnessed the scripted plays for, like, four more series, you would have blown some teams out. It never, it wouldn't have been close, and your defensive shortcomings might have been a problem, but not nearly as big a problem as they ended up being.
3: Well, that's fair. I mean, Phil, you probably know this. Where did the Vikings rank last year? Three and outs.
2: Uh offensively they were they had the most three and outs of any team in the league.
3: Okay, so I mean Tied that with Houston. speaks to what Judd is is laying out. So that's fair. Plenty fair. I'm still most fascinated though to watch the defense. I really am. Sure. You know, Ed Donatello, Zadarius Smith, Daniil Hunter. Like, what can Ed do? Like that to me is is the key to this. Right? Even with the offensive shortcomings last year, I think with O'Connell. Phillips coming in I just I think the offense is going to be pretty darn good I don't know yet how good this defense will be
2: Yeah. Uh, so the Vikings because they said goodbye to Nate Stanley they have an open roster spot and there was some speculation that maybe Kyle Rudolph would be brought back as I would assume more of a backup or red zone tight end uh, to Irv Smith but then he goes and signs with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to go play with Tom Brady so the Vikings and you can maybe provide some insight into how close or not the Vikings were to bringing Rudolph back, but they do have an open roster spot, kind of on the eve of training camp, which is interesting, Dukes.
3: It is interesting. Now they have not made an offer to Endomic and Sue as of yesterday, but that is still a name to keep an eye on. Or maybe they add some other interior defensive lineman. I feel bad for Nate Stanley. I saw him at Woodbury High School a couple Tuesdays ago, like he was pumped. My colleague Alec ended up talking to him. He was pumped about another training camp with the Vikings. Now he doesn't get that opportunity. So, yeah, it is interesting. What are the Vikings going to do with that open roster spot? Because typically you don't make a move until you have to make a move. Like, why make the move on Nate now when you didn't necessarily have to? So what do they have up their sleeve? On Kyle Rudolph, so I predicted with Judd on Tuesday. We spoke at, like, 9 a.m. I said if I had to bet – Rudolph will end up with the Buccaneers. That's because at that moment, like to use the football analogy, like the deal was at the one half yard line. Like it was just about done. I was led to believe it was just about done on Saturday. In fact, now somebody else told me Tom Brady was blowing up Kyle's phone the last twenty four hours, and maybe even Tampa came in with a little bit more money. Well,
2: well just for fun, was Kirk blowing up Kyle's phone too? Or were they Were they both?
3: <laughs> I don't sense that Kirk was blowing up Kyle's phone. <laughs> and on that, like, I really do believe Kyle had genuine interest in rejoining the Vikings. Heck, wife is here. Kids are here. He has the house here. There was legit interest in rejoining the Vikings. But Kyle also wants to win a ring. Like, how do you turn down Tom Brady? But I think the Vikings chatter was driven by the Kyle side. Like, I don't think the Vikings were hanging up the phone. So were there conversations? But I truly believe that that it was the Kyle camp that initiated those conversations. Bottom line, now that it's done and over with, Kyle is on his way to the Buccaneers. I just don't sense anything ever came all that close to him signing with the
2: Vikings. We still need a 30 for 30 documentary on the 2000 word manifesto. (laughs) The goodbye that Kyle Rudolph wrote in the Players' Tribune that included like 50 different Matt teammates Castle. and staffers, Matt Castle, Teddy Bridgewater, no mention Ragnar. of Kurt C- yeah, Ragnar, Ragnar. <laughs> the, you know, ba- the, the backup equipment guys, you know. The thing about this
0: is I, I didn't agree with the Vikings' decision to hang on to as, uh, the amount of veterans that they did after Quazy and then O'Connell subsequently got the job. But, my God, if you start to bring guys back, shut it down. Like, you need to go in this is a different direction, and and the thing that so why Dukes, why I think you're right, and why I think it was driven by Kyle's camp, probably just to to say, well, look, the Vikings did call, um, is because of this. Although
3: I just I'm telling you, I don't think they called.
0: Well, no, but, but I'll he's do gonna, some more
3: digging on that. But I, it's don't okay, think it's they okay. He's the conversation, but
0: here, but here's the bottom line too: tight ends in this, in what they're about to do, are going to play a very specific role, and so like if Irv Smith doesn't work out, like he gets hurt again or he's out, you're not going to then go get a guy that, that can necessarily catch passes because you'll replace what you envision Irv Smith with an, another receiver. So, like, I don't think that this is the old, oh, my God, we don't have our, you know, our Antonio Gates or our our Kelsey tight end. I think this is a, if Irv Smith can't play, we'll just transition to throw an extra receiver onto the field like the rams did so this whole thing of like we got to bring back a guy like kyle is i think folly so i i think you're exactly right
3: well on irv smith jr he was over at the twin cities pro-am the other day the the basketball gathering over at minnehaha academy somebody there told me for whatever it's worth it's not like he was playing right he was just there but sure that he looked good he sounded good but yeah when you look at the tight ends on the vikings roster it's a bunch of blockers outside of Irv, right? Zach Davidson, Ben Ellefson, the guy they just drafted from South Carolina, Johnny Munt. Like, those guys are more blockers than pass catchers. And because now, two days later, Judd, from our conversation on Tuesday that I've gathered that the Vikings didn't come all that close to signing Kyle Rudolph. Now, there are still some fridge and tight ends out there, Jared Cook. There's some other guys that are... Capable or somewhat capable, but I think it's what you're saying that that if Irv can't function, goes down, whatever the case may be, you just replace him with with a wide receiver. In fact, I would not be shocked if the initial 53 man roster contains seven wide receivers.
2: Wow, hmm. interesting. Yeah, well, we've been talking about this. Nah, uh, of course he's my guy. Is it Hennigan? The 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 is it. Appalachian State Receiver guy, the only guy on the roster basically, he's an undrafted free agent that has returned punts in his college career. So you know, so could they could a sixth or seventh receiver just be a punt returner, for instance, and then Well, I mean, is
3: Jalen Naylor, you know, I mean, maybe the front runner for Mr. Mankato, sixth round pick from Michigan State. You know, is he capable? I mean, he's returned before. Now, I'll trust your your knowledge on that. I had a conversation with Jalen shortly after the draft, but I don't recall what the number said. So I'll trust you, Phil, that he did more kick returning in East Lansing, not not punt returning. But I wonder if that's a skill set that can translate on, on a guy like Jalen Naylor. I mean, right now, like, even though he was a late-round draft pick, like, I see Jalen Naylor on, on the 53-man
0: roster.
2: Yeah. What,
0: what do we know, Dukes, about the uh, status of second-round cornerback Andrew Booth, who obviously uh, did not basically take part in – In the spring camps, uh, do we think he's going to be set to go on on day one of training camp? Because I think if he is, he he at least can get himself into the mix uh, to certainly compete for some playing time.
3: Yes, although my money would be on Cam Dansler starting week one against the Packers, not Andrew Booth Jr. I would put Doogie's
2: money on that too.
3: tried to dig on his status. Now, I will tell you, in a conversation during minicamp, he alluded to the idea that come late July... He'll be good to go. But, Judd, I unfortunately don't have a very specific update on, yes, we will see him on the field next Wednesday. So to be determined, hopefully i have that update for you maybe Tuesday morning next time we chat. I'd also like to believe, because I feel confident, and Ingram's deal will get done, uh-huh. that Andrew Booth Jr.'s deal will also get done. But we've seen a transition the last couple of years with these second-round picks, especially the higher second-round picks, getting three years fully guaranteed, Then even some money guaranteed in that final year, that fourth year. So presumably that is the hiccup right now. You know what are the Vikings willing to guarantee to Andrew Booth Jr.? But certainly led to believe Ed Ingram. There's nothing to worry about on that front. I fully expect him to be on the field next Wednesday.
2: Are there any other, either surprise or or otherwise under the radar injury concerns? I feel like every year you get to camp, it's like oh these two guys are progressing slower than. Unusual, but Daniel Hunter is a Darius Smith. We talked about Booth, but are there any other little injury things to, to keep an eye on here in the next week or two?
3: Well, Amir Smith-Marset had the boot on yeah. during minicamp, but he got the boot off before June was over. So he's been out of the boot now for at least three and a half weeks. So my understanding is he is good to go. I mean, I was with Alexander Madison a week or two ago. He looks solid. Adam Thielen. Looks solid, so no, I have not heard of of any other you know deep concerns. I mean, to me, the number one thing I'll be keeping an eye on injury wise is where is Irv Smith Jr.'s knee.
2: Yeah, is and he one,
3: ready to do everything that he needs to be able to do?
2: Something else too. It's like, you know the narrative and and the reality is just how bad this defense was last year. But the first seven weeks of the season, when Daniel Hunter was on the field, nobody was talking about how bad this defense was. I don't think it was 2017 mike zimmer defense but it was it was a they were number one in pressures from a pass rush standpoint so you know if, if daniel hunter is healthy and playing and you know zadarius smith should be a nice addition too but we're probably going to give a lot of credit to zimmer being gone donatel system overhauling things but the reality is if daniel hunter plays i don't care if you're running a three four a four three if you're running the bears defense from the 80s like Your defense is going to be better if Daniel Hunter is playing 15, 16, 17 games, Dugues.
3: Absolutely. Like, I would put him among the top five pass rushers in the game.
2: Yeah. Like,
3: is anybody going to debate that? I think he's that good. I think it's one of the better contracts. Even coming off the injury issues the last couple years, I still think it's a team-friendly contract. I'm still shocked, going back many years, that he actually signed that contract. So, yes, I don't care if it's a 4-3, 3-4. Yeah, I mean, that defense, you're right, Phil. I mean, when when he went out, you know, it took a turn for the worse. Now, you know, Z'Darrius Smith, Judd, we talked about this when he initially signed. Well, committed to Baltimore, right? Then we were wondering what the heck took place with those negotiations. Ultimately ends up here. Like, at his age, with the back, like, there's cause for concern there. He's okay now. Right. He may very well be okay September nineteenth in Philadelphia, go up and down the list of, of games there September into October. But how will Zadarius Smith become middle of the season? As we get into the dog days of the season, November, then when the games ramp up again in terms of you know intensity, although, you know, seventeen, they're all gonna be pretty intense. But you get my point as, as you're making that push for the playoffs in December, how will Zadarius be then? That to me is gonna be a big question too.
0: I do think a big difference, uh, potentially, that we're going to see starting Wednesday when they take the field, and then to Doug's point, when they uh, get into full pads on August 1st is this. Camp KOC is going to be, I think, in stark contrast to Camp Zim in the sense that, like, when guys didn't take part before, it was, uh, oh, my gosh, they're not t- taking part. Because, you know, Mike liked to keep an intensity, at, I think, that was a little bit more, and this is fine, a bit more old school probably. O'Connell, I think, is going to really be Baldelli esque in stretch in in you know trying to em- emphasize rest and keeping guys fresh. Which, by the way, in this league, not a bad idea. But my point is, I don't think it's going to quite come across as the crisis point that it did when guys didn't practice with Mike because Mike clearly still became annoyed by that. I think O'Connell is going to err on the side of resting guys more and absolutely never upset about it
3: oh yeah I mean and you know the the what the three preseason games it's three still like I don't expect to see guys playing in those games you know the main guys like yeah I mean I'm with you I think it's going to be a pretty lax training camp now I'll still be interested to see those one-on-one battles we will see when they are in pads offensive linemen defensive linemen one-on-one battles you know and you know, like it's going to get somewhat physical. So I'll be keying in on those, but yes, for the most part, you know, we're not going to see the Oklahoma drill or anything crazy like that.
2: <laughs> That'd be great. If he just broke it out, <laughs> let's do it. The Oklahoma drill. drill, one of my favorite footballisms. uh, before we continue on here with reckless speculation, Thursday, reckless speculation. boys, old Macadac had to have a little sit down with Maya Mackey yesterday. So, uh, you know, she loves her NutriSource chicken and rice food. And we're trying to get Stella Zolgad. Look at this right here for the YouTube audience. Doogie, this is Maya Mackey. And uh, this is this is her reaction when she knows that old Macadac has a big old scoop of NutriSource chicken and rice food ready to throw in her bowl. Well, after she had her breakfast yesterday, she decided when mom wasn't looking to uh, partake in a little Raisin Bran as well. And so we had to take her in to... Make oh, sure that no. she was okay, because I don't think dogs are supposed to eat raisins. So the message for Maya here is you'll stay consistent digestively and gut-wise and uh, and poo-wise if you just stick to the Nutrisource chicken and rice food. No more human food. No more raisin bran. Just stick to the Nutrisource, and you'll be good, Maya.
0: <laughs> Stella is, is anxious. She's anxious to try it now, because she said, you know what? I'm getting older. Like, I mean, let's be honest. This old get household ain't young. From Stella to Dawn to Judd, we ain't young.
2: The geriatric. And so, uh, so, yes,
0: exactly right. And there's nothing more important at this age, as Stella can tell you, than diet. So, yes, uh, Phil has introduced me to the world of Nutrisource, and Stella, excited to try
2: that. It's a third-generation, family-owned and operated company out of Perham, Minnesota. And so uh, NutrisourcePetFoods.com is where you can find retailers near you. And Nutrisource is the official dog food of all of the Mackie and Judd pups here so uh highly recommended. Maybe yeah, uh, maybe Vinny and yeah. uh Scooby, maybe we can get some get some other dogs hooked Absolutely. in here. So Although So don't there's NutreSource too loud otherwise he's going to come up here and start <laughs> <laughs> Also a quick shout out to our friends at Federated Mutual Insurance Company. So uh in a few days here the Federated Challenge takes place again, which is all about raising money for Big Brothers Big Sisters. Since 2005, 44 million dollars raised and uh, this money goes to help uh, benefit Big Brothers Big Sisters and the and the formation of mentoring relationships with children facing adversity to help them get into better schools, have brighter futures. If you want to find out how you can make a difference or maybe be a big yourself, go to federatedchallenge.org. Okay, one more Vikings thing for me anyways. speculation So on Purple Daily today, we're going to do a deep dive into just uh, Kellen Mond and the first 15 months of Kellen Mond and going into a second training camp. And one of my biggest questions, Doogie, is... He's been on the team now for 15 months. You know, he had the, the three plays against Green Bay, and then Zimmer threw him under the bus, and that was kind of the like the most we've heard about Kellen Mond in 15 months. Otherwise, I feel like there's been very little reported or said, or he's just kind of been in witness protection for the better part of 15 months. Have you heard anything at all whatsoever about Kellen Mond recently?
3: Well, not necessarily recently, but I know this much. If he can't beat out Sean Mannion, <laughs> like there are serious issues, right? So... Like to me, you know now Kirk Cousins is Iron Man, right? Like he doesn't get hurt. Maybe I just jinxed him, but like he doesn't miss games. That is one good quality about Kirk. But like I think, I think Kellen is going to be the the number two quarterback. Like if I had to bet, you know, right now I'd say Kellen Mond is is on this roster, the number two guy. Sean Mannion is is gone, but no, not necessarily. Now if you want me to, I'll I'll reach out to, to his former trainer, Hugh Jackson. Uh, you know, one of Zim's guys, the former Browns head coach who, who trained him pre-draft, you know, he still keeps in good contact with him, you know, so I can I can dig a little bit if you want me to. But, no, you're right. We haven't heard much. I haven't seen now, you know, not that I'm super active on TikTok or Instagram or anything like that, but I haven't seen any social media posts about, you know, his, his off-season training or anything like that. So he's another guy. Yeah, I mean, come Wednesday, you know, some eyes will – on him, but I'm just telling you, like, if you can't beat out Sean Mannion, we do have serious issues.
0: Mm. All right, Tug's to transition to Twins, where do we stand now as they get set to return for the, in air quotes, second half? Um, in Detroit, where do we stand on on roster construction, roster decisions, and where do you think things are trending with a team that definitely has some good players, but definitely needs a lot of pitching? Do
2: they have the cojones, is yeah. what Judd is asking.
3: Well, or to so just fail? What, yeah. Phil? I mean, you know, they can attempt to go all in on a Frankie Montes trade or a Luis Castillo trade, but, like, are they going to be able to trump the five, six, seven other teams chasing starting pitching, including, you know, the Mets, the Dodgers, the Blue Jays, the Yankees? Like, I'm not quite sure the, the Twins have the ammo to do so, but certainly they've engaged the A's in, in trade talks. They've engaged the Reds in trade talks. They've engaged the Cubs on – on Robertson, right? Like, you know, they know they need. I mean, realistically speaking, to really have a chance, one starter, two relievers. Now, do I think they're about to acquire three pitchers? That might be a bit aggressive. But, like, I sure hope it's more than one. All right? So, like, you know, people don't want to hear this. I get it. You know, talk. Who cares? Like, let's see action. But, you know, they're they're pretty active. I mentioned with Judd on Tuesday, Phil, I was at a charity event on Monday. That Derek Falvey was was listed as as supposed to be attending, well, he didn't end up showing up. You know, so I thought, hey, something must have come up because the draft was over at that point for a few hours—the Monday portion of the draft rounds three through ten. So he was definitely done in the war room, but you know, my understanding is he he was going right back to work. So he you know missed out on on a charity event. So trust me, like really, no All Star break for for Derek. You know, and and Thad and those guys, I mean, escaping here and there throughout the course of the summer, you know, enjoying a little bit of family time here and there, but not much. You know, they're they're grinding away. I am curious to see what happens with Miguel Sano, you know, his his rehab clock expires here in a handful of days, 20 days total. You know, we're into double digit days on on the rehab assignment. What happens there? I'm just telling you guys, like if they could trade him, I think they'd trade him. Because, like, I don't know if you can make a logical case that you would rather have Sano on the roster than Celestino. Like, to well, me, that would be the move. You would send Celestino down. I don't think they're ready to expose Nick Gordon to waivers. It does turn out, so something I said last week, and, and I checked on this, Kyle Garlic still has an option. But, like, you want Garlic in there against lefties more than Miguel Sano. Like, this isn't Miguel Sano of five years ago mashing lefties. Miguel Sano the last couple of years hasn't mashed – lefty so like i don't know how snow fits on the roster so if they could trade him even if they have to eat a little bit of money is there a team out there so that's certainly something i'll i'll be keeping an eye on you know then like just what trades do they make you know some injuries you know kenta maeda i will tell you this on maeda so i mentioned a couple weeks ago or maybe last week whenever it was that him and his agency a big agency wasserman split digging a little bit more I sense somewhat maybe this is somewhat fitting into the reckless speculation narrative here on Thursday but I'll throw it out there that that Maeda does want to come back this year. The former agency said, "Yeah, why don't we wait until 2023, no reason to really extend it." Now, he hit 80 something in a bullpen the other day just throwing fastballs at this point, you know, but could he help at some point mid-September? Like I think even early September is really aggressive. But could he potentially help? I still think it's a long shot. I really do, but I guess you can't necessarily rule that out. Yeah. Randy Dobnak gave me an update on his situation the wow. other day. Like I he still forgot know? about him. Yeah, that could help. Let me read what he told me.
2: If they try to play this off as if, listen, I know we didn't make a splash at the deadline, but no, we're getting, need, but we're getting Alcala talking, no, no, and no, no, no. Dobnak yeah. back. So that won't and Sano. So
3: yeah, no, rightfully <laughs> so. We would destroy them. Right? We would rip them to shreds. No, no, they cannot. They cannot do that. They need to bring in well, outsiders. Mean, they cannot it's bring It's kind that. of what Bob they back. do. Like, maybe the or maybe Matt Canarino. No, no, no. They cannot do that, <laughs> Phil. They know that. Trust me, I promise. On oh. Dobnak, uh-huh. uh-huh. Here is what he told me. Going well through 20 fastballs off the mound two days ago. He feels good. He's at about 80%. He has a fastball-slash-changeup bullpen for tomorrow. So he's okay. not necessarily clear close to returning to game action, but that is the update on Dobnek. On Canarino, he continues to rehab in Fort Myers. He is progressing very well. He sees himself back in Wichita, A, in early August, about two weeks away. He's got some funky stuff, 24 and a half years old. Now, that would be a big ask to bring Canarino up to help this bullpen, Yes, but he's a Twins prospect that I know a lot of fans pay attention to, so just know that he's doing really well right now, coming back so from that elbow he, he, issue.
2: Here's one of their biggest issues: is they just you know we're six years into this front office, and the whole the, the whole thing about Falvey was, hey, he's coming; he's one of the core pieces of this you know brain trust in Cleveland that's going to bring over this pitching development acumen, and we just like we haven't seen a lot of that, and so whether it's pitching You've development, seen
3: some of it though, right? I mean, like a little, seen some. It's
2: I mean, not some zero, been, but
3: it's not zero. I I mean, I, but, I think but here's it's than but here's when the, he got out of here.
2: But here's the point that I was going to make. Whether it's lack of, like, look at their look at their farm system right now. It is not regarded as a top five or ten farm system. And one of the big problems for them is it's not like they've spent six years gutting their farm system, trading young players away for win-now pieces. So, like, they've been building a farm system for six-plus years, and it's still, like, not top half of the league. And you look right now, go look at, like, the MLB pipeline rankings from preseason. And uh, Austin Martin is in the top three. Jordan Balazovich it has, like, a... Th- a a 12 ERA in the minor leagues this year. So some of the guys that were supposed to be near the top of your sort of underwhelming prospect list are terrible this year. So you, you already have fewer pieces to trade period. And then the pieces that you would ordinarily potentially trade for Luis Castillo are performing terribly in their age, 22, 23 seasons in the minors Doogie,
3: Correct. Now it's not across the board, you know, guys like Spencer steer, Matt Walner. Yep. Those guys those are, are coming years, up. but you're right. They are not a top 10 farm system. I'm not quite sure they are a top 15 farm system. Now I get it. Those lists are subjective, but they're not bottom five, but they're probably somewhere, you know, lower half. I mean, maybe closer to 16, 17, not 25, but it's not an excellent farm system. That goes back to how exactly do you trump other teams' offers for some of these elite pitchers? I just don't know how you do it. you got to you, you got to include
2: major league players. I mean, you'd have to inc- – it would have to be, and this is going to sound crazy to people, but all right, Alex Kirilov.
3: Well, I'm not trading Kirilov, and I don't think what, they will either. What could he get Miranda, you? Miranda, sure. Yeah, Miranda, okay. I don't know about Kirilov. Maybe Larnick too. I can be talked into Larnik. I can be talked into Miranda. I can't be talked into Kirilov. I would be surprised if if they trade Kirilov before August 2nd. The biggest issue to me with, with this regime is, like, these bullpen arms they've signed going back years. Joe Smith. Blake Parker, yep. Colomay, like, they have swung and missed on so many relievers. And I get it. Relievers are incredibly cyclical. Good one year, not so good the next year. But, like, the track record on signing free agent relievers is horrendously bad.
0: Mm-hmm. Their, o- their overall development of arms, period, for an administration that was supposed to have an expertise in that area is probably the most surprising thing and disappointing thing. Well,
3: I mean, like, if you look at, you know... Now, Phil, you're going to debate me on this just being a mundane stat. You know, who cares? But ERA, if you look at Starters Collective ERA, you know, going back a handful of years, I mean, you know, pretty good. Especially from where it was. Like, so I do think there are some positives we can point to. But sure, like, Derek Falvey was brought in as this pitching savant. Right. So that's fine that if you thought in 2016, that if we fast forward six years, 2022, if you expected more by this point, I'm not necessarily going to debate you on that. On that, I'm just, you know, I'm not, but I just, I want to point out that to me, there are, there are some things we can look at and say, okay, that was, that was a positive. That Here's, is a positive.
2: My biggest question for them here in the next week or so, you know, I guess next two weeks, I love the Korea move. All right. I know that it was sort of gifted to them and it it might just be a one year thing because he can opt out and probably will $35 million for one year. And my question to them is, okay, why did you do this? So you, you did it presumably for one of three reasons or maybe all three reasons. Number one would be your team can be better in 2022 and it is, but it's only performing at an 86 win pace right now with, you know, two and a half months to go in the season. And the White Sox are probably waking up. So, like, your team is good, but it's not ironclad playoff, and you're not the Yankees or the Astros. So, but yeah,
3: but I don't trust the White Sox, Phil. I just
2: yeah. We'll we'll see what they do in the second half. But like, you've your your team is good, but you didn't like solidify your playoff status with this Mm -hmm. move necessarily. Okay. Uh, The second reason would be to spike attendance. Right, You, you get one of the better players in baseball to come in. It's a big splash move. Well. This is the lowest average attendance outside of the COVID years in the history of Target Field. So it's not like people are now Declan bought season tickets, but it's not like people are flocking in droves of 38,000 to Target Field. And so the, the third reason I don't think they would ever mention publicly, but it has to be a conversation in the next two weeks, which is if we aren't winning enough and if attendance isn't spiked enough, Does it make sense to use this asset that could walk away for basically nothing, maybe a compensation pick? If there's two or three teams that would love a bat and a sure-handed glove up the middle, could you get three really solid prospects or something for him in the next couple weeks? I'm not advocating for that. I think you should trade for three pitchers, like you said earlier in the show here, Doogie. But if you don't have the stomach or the resources to trade for three pitchers, I think it's really risky to ride this thing out as constructed and risk Carlos Correa walking away in three months from now to become a free agent. So what do you think of that whole conundrum I just laid out?
3: Well, I think it's a fair conversation to have, but I'm just telling you, Phil, I will bet you anything that Carlos Correa is here on August 3rd. Like I just, I don't see a trade coming, but I understand where, where you are coming from, but they're going to play this thing out. They just are, you know, and you know, I don't know how to quantify it, but, you know, multiple people over there will tell you the influence he's had in the clubhouse, on guys in the cage, his leadership. Like, they want that for a full year. The expectation always has been that he's going to opt out. Like, why would he bypass unrestricted free agency at 28 years old? Correct. Last offseason, weird offseason. We've returned pretty much to normalcy. Like, why would he? why would he pass up a chance? Like, this is the time to get the seven- or eight-year contract. So yeah, I've always expected him to opt out. The question is, do the Twins want to, for the first time ever, present somebody with a two hundred million dollar contract? Like until I see it, I won't necessarily believe it. But it would be nice if Carlos Correa was here for a really long time. But I'm just telling you, I just I don't see a trade happening. He does have what a five team no trade. So is it very possible the Astros, for example, are on that list? You know, could the Astros use maybe an upgrade at shortstop? You know, is the young kid Pena you? is he even healthy right now? i'm apologizing i don't have intimate knowledge of of the astros roster right this second i'm just trying to come up with even he's a great player right somebody probably would take him but like yeah of all the contenders who's who's desperately seeking a shortstop so there there's yeah. an
1: intriguing fact is there phil this. you tell me Se- Se- all the way closer seattle I Seattle would be the only team i think that could make a poll for him that is a jp well, well, crawford? crawford right yeah yeah
3: well they gave him good money and He's a really good fielder, but sure. I mean, would Correa be an upgrade on Crawford? Yes, of course. Declan, agree with you on that. Heck, he'd be an upgrade in Baltimore, right? I mean, who's Baltimore's shortstop? Right. I mean, you know, we can come up with, no, with teams not- where you're like, okay, they <laughs> should acquire great. Carlos Correa. But Seattle's
2: got the ammo. They could trade Kelnick. Really? You know, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think know. I, I think Kalenick there's a
3: different play. move there for Seattle. I don't think so- it's I don't think it's them trying to chase down a shortstop. Maybe I'll be wrong on that one, but. Like I think you know, after they paid Crawford that they believe enough in him, especially with the glove, that he'll be their short So the,
0: the intriguing thing about this entire conversation goes back to, to something Phil brought up, um, I think it was, was a few weeks back, which is Carlos Correa is one of the players, not surprisingly, encouraging the twins to make aggressive moves because he's like, "I'm here for a year, let's make the most of of this. If they don't do something substantial in today's sports world. Tons of guys are friends and talk constantly, okay? So, like, and, and Correa clearly is a leader in baseball. Like, he, he might have cheated, but he's clearly really well-liked and respected. And I think it'll be interesting if the Twins do not make a bold move, because I think Correa will publicly or, or privately, but to his friends in baseball, say, I'm not quite sure why they signed me, because I went there, and we were all geared up to do some, something special. We're in first place, and they went out and got um, Sam Dyson of 2000." 22. So I do think it's an interesting time period for the Twins um, where Correa's words and thoughts on this are going to have an impact long-term if they do just say, you know what, what the hell? We'll, we're not going to trade Correa, but we will play this entire thing out. So I think that's like an underlying storyline here of, of the Twins having an opportunity and seeing if they do something aggressive to try and capitalize on Correa's on the fact that he's here for a season.
3: Well, how do you define aggressive? Like they're going to do something. Like
0: it can't be I'm positive.
3: There's way too much dialogue for us to be having a conversation on August third that they didn't do anything. That playoff rotation, playoff back.
2: rotation starter and two relievers that slot in as your second and third best relievers behind Durant. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's it, what they need to be do. a
3: little aggressive, but like that's yeah, aggressive. Starter and reliever, like that would not shock me too. Maybe not all three, but two like they're going to do something
0: right but it can't be but but doogie it can't be a slappy aggressive
3: that that to me is it can't can't be it it can't be
2: sergio romo and that worked fairly well but like that was a that was just a "Eh, let's do something type of a move it has to be something much more than they did in 2019 for, for, for me to be satisfied at the deadline
3: but how do you beat phil how do you beat what the Cardinals can offer, what the Blue Jays can offer. Okay,
2: then you're fired. What like you've had six years. Offer. You've had. This is where I'm at with this, and this is. And I'm not ripping you here, but this is what happens with with like Twins coverage and stuff. It's like, well, how are they supposed to do? You guys have had six years to build a farm system as trade chips to put yourself in a position to do something at a deadline, and they decided not to in 2019. Now it's like, okay, well. Here's another chance for you. And so if, if, the, if you're right, if you're right, and the answer is they can't compete with St. Louis, then I say, then what are we doing? Then why are you employed? Why, like, then what have you been building for the last six years? Well, if you don't after to, six years, you don't have enough trade yeah, chips it comes anymore? It's
3: back to the 26-man roster, right? That, that you need to move off of somebody on this roster. I'm just telling you, I, just, I, I don't foresee Kirillov being that guy. I certainly would not move off of Kirillov, But Miranda... Larnick, I don't think Celestinos get a whole lot of trade value, but like we need to look at those types of guys, right? Maybe yeah. Miranda, you know, more than anybody else. That you Arise. have to be. And I do think they would be. I think Arise is here.
2: But the, here's the thing about Arise, all right? People are gonna kill me for this. I know that he's about to win the American League Batting Championship. He's not a very good defensive player. He's kind of positionless. Like the, he's not like a plus defender at any position. And if that batting average dips a little bit because maybe some of his batted ball luck comes down, and he's no longer a three forty hitter, but he's like a good solid three oh five hitter, but with not much power, you know, not the most amazing base runner. I mean, this is the peak of Luis Arise. Do you think he's just a three forty hitter every year going forward, or is this the peak of his career and he and he's got two or three years left? I'm just saying I wouldn't – he's not untouchable to me if you can get – Well, he shouldn't be
3: untouchable. Agree on that.
2: If you can get a a lights-out starting pitcher and a great reliever or something, you know, it's like he should be on the table. All right, well,
3: would you do – if the Reds say, we want to rise, plus we need a little bit more, we will give you Luis Castillo. Is that a deal you're making?
2: Uh, I guess I'd need to know, do they also have – a really good reliever they can kick in here too because they they would be getting like three years of – Luis Rise is a really good player, so I don't want to minimize it, but you'd be giving them more value for three years than they'd be giving you, so they'd have to kick something else in, I guess is what I'm saying.
3: Yeah, well, and that's where, you know, I mean, that's where they're kicking around all these ideas. You're right. If you're giving up a rise, not only are you getting back a starting pitcher in the deal, you're getting back, you know, that team's really good reliever. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's – I think there's something to that. I don't think he's untouchable. I'll leave it at that. You know, like we know Buxton isn't going anywhere. I'm telling you, I don't see Correa going anywhere. I can't quite say that about Luis Ariz right this second. And I'm with you. Like, do I think he's a 340 hitter for the next two or three years? Probably not. I still think there's definitely a 305 to 315 type hitter there, though, every single year. So there's enough value there with him under team control, as you said it, Phil, for what, at least three more years? Or is no. it four? It's a four or three, but we're talking more than two. It's definitely three minimum. Yeah. So, And, of
2: course, I know what happens. Like, when I say stuff like this or Korea, people are like, "Mackey wants the Twins to trade her eyes. I'm not saying that. I'm saying get creative and make this team better. Like, the net should be that you make this team better, and there's only, like, two or three guys that are untouchable to me. So that's all I'm saying.
3: Well, I mean, would you think about moving somebody like Jorge Polanco? Yes. Right? Max Kepler. I mean, Kepler absolutely should be on the table. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, even with – you know the the regular numbers being down last year, the underlying numbers suggested there was a little bit more there last year. Max Kepler's long had fans around the game. Like you know, you need to be thinking about
0: something like what's that. Kepler it's unfortunate get that Larnick is
3: hurt right now. What that Larnick is still a few weeks away.
0: What What's Kepler going to get you though? See that that's my question. Is like because that one to me what, is a slam dunk. I'm if you come to me with an offer that's halfway decent, I'm trading Max. But I don't know that he's going to get you exactly what you want. Here's the other thing that I don't understand, and it's Falvey and Levine have done this, so the precedent exists. It's just timing. They have traded top prospects in the offseason. Chase Petty, Bruce Dargratterall. They have made trades that scream, we are willing to go into the very top of our prospect pool and make deals. Why that does not and has not ever translated, I don't believe, with this crew to the trade deadline is what I'm confused by. If they were always afraid to trade top prospects, I'd say I don't like that. But you clearly are just afraid.
3: Well, and that's not. where I think this year might be different, right? All right. When you that's add Carlos Correa, things change. And yeah, like that's one of the reasons I'm so fascinated to see what they do because I'm telling you, I expect them to do something. Like they're going to do something. So yes. You know, it's how much are they willing to go in? But, like, who are those top prospects? I go back to that point, Judd. Who are those top prospects? It's not Austin Martin. I'm sorry. It's just not. Mm-hmm. So who is it? Who's, is Simeon Woods Richardson even back? I should know this, but is he back?
2: Yeah, no, they don't. That's the thing. He over, they don't, He was
3: battling COVID. You know, but there's, there's a lot to like about Simeon Woods Richardson. But, like, you would move him. They'd move any of those prospects.
2: That's the problem. Like, the, but, their, like, like, none of their prospects guys? are good enough to where you'd be like, ooh, it would hurt to lose that one, you know? And they've had six years to build it.
3: But that's, that's where a- moving one of those outfielders, Kepler, Larnick, yeah. or even Wallner, if some team wants Wallner, but you have Wallner in the minors. Matt Wallner is 24 years old. Matt Walner could help the Twins right now. I get it. He's at AAA, played one game at AAA after spending the entire season in AA. But Matt Wallner, I'm just telling you, is fully – Capable of playing in the major leagues today, so they have a little bit of outfield depth. So go ahead and trade from that. So that'll mm-hmm. be also something I'll I'll keep an eye because I just know, like I know Miami has liked Max Kelper for a while. Tampa has liked Max Kelper. Not that I necessarily see a match with with Tampa, but like you should be willing to move any of those outfielders not named Byron Buxton.
2: Yeah. Well, Dougie, we've kept you way longer than usual, and it was and I look total, at totally more as a
3: first baseman, by the way, not necessarily a left fielder. So. I'm still telling you, Kirilov would surprise me. I just know how big a fans he has in that front office. I'm not saying he's untouchable, uh, but I would be very, very surprised if if they moved Kirilov. But I'm talking more as Kirilov being a first baseman. I just think that's his long-term position, not left field.
2: Yeah. Amazing. Reckless doogie, Speculation, great stuff, man. Happy reckless speculation Thursday.
3: You got it, boys. Take it easy. You, All right, there he is. Darren
2: doogie Wilson from the 5 Eyewitness News Sports department and uh boy, I need a, I need I need a, a cigarette. smoke after that one, yeah. yeah, I've never had a cigarette in my life, and I would light one up right now after you never have to that batch mm oh no, no. no my one dad, one? my dad's had lung cancer three times, and just uh, it's always been' if kind I'm of drinking, but after that, dude, I'm
1: in if I'm drinking and a friend offers you're, me you're one it's a ninety five percent chance I'm taking one, yeah,
0: it's very common, yeah. yeah, very common.
2: Let's uh, let's just let's keep rolling on this twins thing here for for a second and we can get to some old tweets exposed. Um, I know you threw that graphic up there, Dex, but I think for on air production purposes here, mm-hmm. I think we can just put all of that twins discussion into one and oh, then yeah. we can just leave all of this on here, too. But um, I have a question for you guys about this is not going to happen. But I just want—I I just want to know if you guys would consider doing because we've talked about like, would you ever? Tra- Who would you trade? Like, would, is Arise untouchable? He's twenty-five years old. He's going to be a batting champion. Probably going to be like a four wins above replacement player. He's a really good player. Doesn't really have a position. He's playing first base kind of, but he's not a long-term right. first baseman. Is he your second baseman? Is he just a super utility guy that hits three thirty every year? It's just—it's kind of a—you don't really know what he is in a year or two from now. But he's having this amazing season. Um. So the Athletics' Ken Rosenthal reported on Saturday that the Nationals will entertain trade offers for Juan Soto after he rejected a 15-year, $440 million contract extension, which Mm -hmm. people think is absurd. How do you turn down almost a half billion dollars? Well, the average annual value on that contract, he'd be the 15th highest paid player in baseball based on AAV. So this is the Nationals trying to get a discount, which sounds crazy because they're offering a half billion dollars. But they're trying to get a discount on a 23-year-old generationally great player here. So I don't blame them for turning down this contract. Per John Heyman of the New York Post, the Nationals are intent on finding a team that will pay an enormous price for Soto. The price, according to Heyman, is four or more worthwhile pieces, either your four top prospects and or, like, major league ready pieces, so four big premium pieces. I repeat, this will never happen. But in the spirit of reckless speculation, okay? And by the way, the Twins aren't listed among the top fifteen teams on some of these. Like Covers dot com has odds on Juan Soto's next team. The Twins are not listed in any of these, so this is not going to happen. But would you ever consider trading four top assets for Juan Soto and then signing him for like I don't know, let's call it seven years, and then he can become a free agent when he's thirty again, and uh, some ungodly amount of money, like thirty to forty million dollars a year. Sure. And, and I'll give you two pools to choose from here. So let's say they want two current major leaguers and two top prospects. Mm-hmm. So you would pick two of these major, or if you have other names you'd throw in here, like the candidates that are on the major league roster right now are Alex Kirloff, Luis Arise, Um, I would put Jose Miranda on here, and I think uh, Yon Duran would be someone that they would ask for too. Maybe there's another one or two that you can think of. Max Kepler. I don't think they give a rip about Max Kepler. Yeah, Max, Kepler. No Max I think, Kepler.
0: I think we talk about Max, but I don't think Max gets you a lot back. No. I'm
2: sorry. And then a couple of your top prospects. So the guys that are the hottest this year in climbing up the board are Matt Walner and Spencer Steer, both in their early 20s. Simeon Woods Richardson and Austin Martin are the two players you got for Barrios last year. Austin Martin is atrocious this year, but still a highly touted prospect. Would you ever consider trading like two of those prospects and Kirloff plus Miranda or Arise plus Miranda to land a 23 year old generational superstar and then pay him a crap load of money?
1: Uh, here's what I would do. I'd pick up the little bat phone here and I'd. Who's, who's the uh, Nationals GM? Do we know him off the top of the head? Mm. Mike guy? Rizzo. Oh, is it he Mike still Rizzo? The GM over the okay. Mike Rizzo? Bit Mike of a Rizzo. meathead. At Bit times. of a, a term World World meathead. Uh, Bit of a meathead. Here's what I would trade. I would I would entertain, at least. I would give up Alex Kirloff. This one doesn't move the needle a ton, but he was very good last year, and when he's healthy, he's really good as Jorge Polanco. I start with Kirloff and Polanco on my big league roster. And then I give up Royce Lewis, and I give up Brooks Lee, their eighth overall pick they just made a week ago. That okay, would, so
2: say it again. So you're giving up Royce, Brooks Lee,
1: Jorge Polanco, Kirloff.
2: and Alex Kirloff. Polanco doesn't bug me as much because... Yeah, he's a second baseman. His but contract he's, he's runs good. out here soon? Yeah. I
0: don't and know. Their... I think they will... I don't know they would want Polanco. I think they would want a younger, more mark- uh, more standout player. I think they... They, they would ask, ask for a rise, probably, right? Arise, Miranda, maybe both. Like, Polanco, God bless him, he plays a lot. But I think if you were to... So, if you were to conduct physicals on Twins players... And you were the gnats. I think your doctors would be like, Jorge Polanco's leg and ankle is jacked. Like he's oh he's been bu- he's been bugged by that for like two years. You guys, yeah. So he's, well. so I think they they'd be like, well, you can throw him in, but that ain't that ain't a long term thing. So he's
2: more than a throw in though. He's a he's a really good player. Right, he's like a I'm four saying, win player.
0: Right, but but I'm saying don't forget the one thing that the Twins consistently I- ignore is what the doctors say. Chris Paddock. The Mets turned it down. Oh, we'll take him. How about Sam Dyson? We'll take him. Like, we we need to keep in mind that doctors exist for sports teams for a reason, and I feel like the Twins don't necessarily take the consultations as seriously as they should.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, he, play, he plays. I mean, he did hit I the know, I.L. for he does for play. A minute.
0: God bless him, but. I'm just telling you, I think the exam wouldn't come back very positive on him.
2: Okay, but the question is, would you would you do this? Would you trade would you trade two current major leaguers and two top prospects? Yes. Not with the Nationals doctors not include okay, let's say they don't want Blanco. Cool. Yeah. Arise, you know. Yeah.
0: Or let's say they want Arise and Miranda. So now we're up to like five pieces. Yes, I would de- I would definitely do it. Um but this, but this gets back to a far more intriguing thing, which Doogie continues to say, which is really very, very damning, and that's this. And Phil, I think you broached this too. The farm system's in bad shape. Yeah. And how is that the case? So, like, let's say I wanted him. Let's say that I talked to Scott Burles and I'm like, I want to keep Correa, and I want so, and I'm going to go to the wall to make this team as great as possible. And so now it's the. The Nationals are getting calls from, let's say, the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Twins. You know, take five or six teams. Um, and Doogie continues to harp on this, and he's right. Everybody else comes in, for the most part, and trumps the Twins. And it's like, oh no, well, no, we'll yeah. give you this and this and this, and, and you're like, oh, okay, that's better.
2: Yep. And so then like, the response from a lot of people, I feel like, is, well, what do you want? The, tw- you know, the Twins just don't have the prospects to trade. What do you want them to do? Well, I want them over the course of a six-year run. Yes, when they're not, they're not gutting the, like some of these other teams are gutting their farm systems every other year to trade for stud players at the deadline in the off-season and still have better farm systems. Right. So, I so your bread and butter as an organization, if you're not going to ever compete for top free agents, and you're not going to, you know, you're just going to be a little bit more close to the vest with the money that you spend, then yep. you have to have more currency when it comes to prospects than they do right now. Now, there's some injuries in here that are not their fault, and I get that. But there's also some guys that just aren't performing. Balazovic, and there was an injury thing with there before, but, you know, he's made 14 starts or whatever. He made, it, he made a start a few nights ago. It went like an inning. Uh, Austin Martin, they made a trade for him, and he's been terrible.
0: Well, and, and Doogie, I think, Declan, if I'm not mistaken, Doogie talked about this about a month ago on the, a Tuesday episode. So, Phil, I... You weren't on it, but he was talking about Martin and he had talked to a source who said, oh yeah, you know why he's struggling because they're changing his swing. Mm -hmm. They're trying to get more power and basically said, if Austin Martin went back to his swing, so what was his swing before this season, he'd probably be fine, but they are trying to get more power and therefore without trying to be too, uh, too, um, um, flipping about this, they are submarining his opportunity at the plate because they think if they can get this adjustment made, it's going to provide more power because he long term is not a shortstop.
2: And I think what I would say to that is maybe they're right, and maybe that because because Austin Martin, <laughs> Austin Martin has six career minor league home runs, which mm-hmm. is a, a disaster. Like you can't. I'm sorry, I don't care how many walks you draw, and he does he does draw a lot of walks. <laughs> that ain't gonna fly in the major leagues you're you're just you're not going to you unless you're Luis Arise and you're going to be hitting over 300 on a regular basis which he doesn't his minor league batting average is 261 gets on base at a 40% clip but that doesn't translate to the major leagues so they brought probably brought him in and said okay we're going to make a couple adjustments it might hurt you in the short term but starting in late 2022 23 you're going to be ready to rock and roll but he's yep. the problem is he's 23 and a half years old and maybe his value was better as a trade piece anyways, and now he's kind of damaged from that perspective. I've so, heard, yeah,
1: maybe, maybe they'll be right in the long term. And but. I've heard similar things from him on a source that said that they, he's kind of a bit of a head case. So, like, he, he, he he's taken a lot of this information and he, and he hasn't really translated it well, which, I honestly, I sympathize for him to a degree. He's like, hey, if I'm doing this and it's successful in the minor leagues, like, why, would my, why do I want to change it? And then, also, he is not project as a legitimate long-term shortstop his his defense right. is not as good as it's advertised and to be honest like I wouldn't want to do this but maybe you sell now maybe because if he if his if his value is going to continue to go tank if it's going to just be the same player he was a year from now well now he's now he's worth nothing he's not worth as much as he was a year ago and you gave up Jose Barrios for him but I wouldn't rule out trading him now and just letting someone else try to figure him out
2: yeah it's it's uh I'd love to know what other teams think of his upside. If other teams would say, oh, yeah, we would trade for him. We would buy low on him. But you'd be selling low either way. And you're, To your point, yeah. well, maybe you're selling lower in a year. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. There was, we just covered a lot there with, with Doogie and then with this. And and I guess my answer to, to the Soto question is, I, and I get it, it's not going to happen. But I wish the Twins were in a better spot to make it a conversation. Yes. You know, like not that not that you would ever actually give up four pieces and and gut your system like that for a guy that you probably couldn't re-sign anyways because he's gonna he's gonna hit free agency anyways. But the fact that you can't even come up with a list of prospects that makes sense to offer is a problem after six years. So, it's something they're dealing with as they try to get pitching right now too. Like, who do you tr- who do who do teams want? Well, and.
0: This is probably an entirely different discussion in some ways, but it fits the reckless speculation lifestyle perfectly, and it's this. And I know the poll ads are like they trust their guys and they love them, blah blah blah. But at what point in time do you start to ask questions? Like at what point in time? Oh, do you Two at, years ago. Well, no, I I know you do, and I do, and I think Declan does. But I <laughs> but I'm saying as an organization that like wait till that wait that was basically in baseball hell when they finally made a substantial move in what, 2016 as things fell apart with uh, Terry and Paul. At what point in time, like do you say, you know, how do we have no prospect? Like what's going on here? Because yeah, I mean, every organization has failures of prospects and injuries. Like that's not like just a twins thing, but it is interesting that now that you are positioned and, and it's a really, it's a fun conversation because in some ways the, the whole lucking into Correa thing, Phil, has forced their hand completely. Like if Correa, if Scott Boris doesn't put Correa here, I think we're sort of frustrated, but like there's an urgency now. Um, And in some ways, if I'm ownership, I'm probably asking more questions about why we can't make substantial moves involving prospects to capitalize on the fact that, again, from a business standpoint, people like Declan Goff bought season tickets because Correa signed if yeah. Korea does not sign, correct me if I'm wrong Dex, I don't think that you buy tickets. Yeah, probably not. So, it's an interesting thing.
2: Well, and then I think too there's I know for a fact there's a lot of Twins fans who, you know, listen or watch the show and and they sit here and like, "Why? You guys, they're in first place. They're you know, they may have hit a snag there toward the end against the White Sox, but they're in first place. They could still make a move or something at the deadline. Why all the angst? Give it a chance to play out." And I think A lot of this is just 20 years of scar tissue that I have seen this play time and time again where they got a pretty decent team or maybe a team that's ready to pop if they just could add some help to it. And by the way, if the division didn't have just four teams in the dumpster, this would be a completely different conversation here too because they wouldn't be in first place. Right. They would be eight games out of first place and hunting for a wild card spot. And so we always come to the same crossroads with the Twins, which is pretty good. Okay, some, okay. This, this team could potentially make the playoffs. But they need a piece or two, and every time they need a piece or two, they hedge. They don't actually go and make the move because they don't want to gut from the 2024-25 team that could also be pretty darn good <laughs> if you just kind of keep you know the line marching forward. So um, anyhow, this uh, Twins discussion is powered in part by our friends at Equity Partners and the seaplanes that are flying right past my left ear right now. Love it. So uh, we actually had our guy, Ryan, who is uh, one of the, the founders of Equity Partners, making his predictions on Purple Daily. Write that down yesterday, so some good stuff from him. But Equity Partners is here to make the selling process of your house 100% hassle-free. And uh, with their We WeHab program, they'll partner with you to fix up your home before you put it on the market. From simple fixes to total remodels, they will help you get the absolute most value out of your home. And the biggest benefit here is you can move before you sell. So you don't have to time time everything up. It's all kind of a a pain-in-the-butt process, you can put offers in on your next home non-contingent on the sale of yours, which is huge. Learn more at equitypartnersmn.com, equitypartnersmn.com. Also, uh, before we get to old tweets exposed here, our friends at Dennis Kirk are helping with riding season. So whether you like to get out on a Harley, a Metro Cruiser, sport bike, whatever it is, uh, they've got 160,000 parts and accessories in stock, free shipping on orders over $89, and same-day shipping on orders placed before 8 p.m. Ride more, wait less. At DennisKirk.com. All right, time for some old tweets exposed here on Mackie and Judd. What do you got for us? What incriminating things do you have for us here, Declan?
1: Let's uh, let's start with this. Uh, we were talking about Balvin and Levine going in and hedging at the trade deadline. Let's go to old Dex tweets. I'll start. I'll self report here to start. Just a gut reaction here July 31st, 2019. Uh, making sense of the Sam Dyson acquisition. NL league average for relievers, I point out, 4.5 ERA, you know, 24K percentage, walk percentage is under 10. And Sam Dyson, look how good Sam Dyson is, everyone. He's going to be great. He's going to be a great addition to the Twins. I think Sam Dyson made one appearance, got shelled, uh, and then turned out like he hated his girlfriend's cat and was just a disaster. So I'm making light of Sam Dyson being a good acquisition, and he did absolutely nothing Amazing. with the Twins. Knuckles.
2: He has not pitched in the major league since that trade. Well, or since the twins dumped him. I don't know. Has he been just injured? He's not that old. He literally hasn't pitched since, th- since I think he basically July of or August of 2000.
0: Out, out of baseball with his abusive poor uh, Knuckles the cat. If not his girlfriend, too. And knuckles I is Knuckles. It's Knuckles. Knuckles, Knuckles, whatever. Put you some know respect what I mean. on that feeling. Hey, name. listen, I'm a okay. dog person now, okay? I grew up with cats, but now I'm a dog person.
1: All right, Judge. It's this just, is this is just hilarious. It's not necessarily like incriminating wrong. I just I'd want to know more details on it. Uh, you said at the sure. end of 2019, if I ever open a baseball frat house, I'm going to invite Dobnek and Smeltzer to join, and I think we'd all get along.
0: I don't know why I included Smeltzer. <laughs> Dobnek makes perfect
1: Dobnek sense. makes perfect sense. He looks like he they both I'm look like sure guys who beers. could drink a beer. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. But I mean, Dobnek would be great fun. And you know what, the Dobber and I. We get along great. Yeah. We get along absolutely great. We can talk about our exploits and sports and how, how we both weren't that good. He's a little bit improved on me, but, you know. No, I I don't remember why Smeltzer got in there, though. That's a very good question.
2: I've heard but, the Dabber does enjoy himself uh, in IPA or two. Yeah. He
0: seems like a fun dude. He does. Like, he does seem like a genuinely good and fun dude.
1: Like, can you imagine? They, they gave him a contract. They it gave that guy a multi-year. years, right? One of the funniest contracts ever. Dude, I think it was longer than that.
0: is not right. that. Isn't that? It might have been three with an option, four years. It yeah, was I, a think, nice, I, mean,
1: I think it was like five. Considered
0: a steal, right? Five I for like... a steal at the time. Yeah, it was... What a deal it for it the was staggered, But strange. there was no
1: reason
2: to do it, right? Didn't they have him under well, team well, control for like four more years?
0: Phil Hughes got a contract with no reason to do it, too.
2: So he signed a five-year... It was a... Oh, my God. It's a five-year ironclad there deal. No, and it's only for like $9 million, so it wasn't that much. Totally. But, <laughs> and then team options through 2028. And, uh, yeah, plan. he... He hasn't pitched yet this year. He did make 14 appearances last year with a 7.64 earned run average.
1: Yuck. So, anyways. Okay. Uh, All right. What else? One more for Phil. I think we talked about this on Monday or Tuesday uh, when you were being a beat writer for the Twins. and You were uh, just pumping up the uh, Nick Blackburn type of uh, Oh yeah, this is move. I've
2: I have self reported this on numerous occasions. Yeah.
1: A possible sign that Nick Blackburn yep. stuff was indeed better last night. He recorded a personal high, season a uh, season high 24 looking strikes. There is a lot Just Baffling of, hitters. Yeah, there's a lot of Nick Blackburn uh uh possible old tweets exposed to in about the March April of 2012 range when Phil was at spring training. Yeah, this was, uh, is, it, is this
2: the 10-year anniversary today of this tweet? Oh, my God, it is. Just, that is say July it. 21st? <laughs> it is. Let's all sell it. Let, all I right. think I win. So let's yeah. celebrate the 10-year anniversary happy birthday, of this Nick Blackburn propaganda. Ooh, happy
0: anniversary to that tweet.
2: <laughs> Amazing. All right, that's Reckless Speculation Thursday here on Mackie and Judd. And uh, over on Purple Daily, we will, we will do a deep dive into, what's the deal with Kellen Mond going into his second training camp? Has anyone seen him? Talk to him. What's going on with the Vikings' third-round pick? So, uh, thanks for hanging out with us here daily. At Minnesota sports, entertainment, speculation, therapy—whatever you need from us.